Today I want to share part eight. I think we have one more part left um, in this series on don't give up, hope wins, love wins. Uh, we'll finish up next week. Um, and then I've, I've got a special guest that uh, I'm going to be uh, interviewing and sharing with you. Um, uh, you'll see that coming up in a couple weeks. Um, but today I want to get into this topic on focusing on what matters. And uh, before we do the deep dive, I want to share a devotional from Henry Nouwen that I found profound. Let God love you the way God wants. This may need to be a prayer for some of you. Um, I've heard some pretty tough stories of loneliness, um, despair, things just being tough. And uh, uh, this is probably a prayer for everybody at some point. And if, if, if it's not for you, that's fine. But definitely it will be for somebody. So let me just share this with you. I know that true joy comes from letting God love me the way God wants, whether it is through illness or health, failure or success, poverty or wealth, rejection or praise. Let me just correct this for a moment or update this because the first time I read this, I thought he wants to love me through illness, meaning letting illness happen. That's how he's going to love me. That's not what this is saying. It's when we're ill or in great health or having health failure, his love still is there. So just don't hear that incorrectly. It's hard for me to say, I shall gratefully accept everything, Lord, that pleases you. Let your will be done. But I know that when I truly believe my Father's pure love, it will become increasingly possible to say these words from the heart. Here we go. Uh, Charles Defond once wrote a prayer of abandonment that expresses beautifully the spiritual battle I wish I had. Father, I abandon myself into your hands. Do with me what you will. Whatever you may do, I thank you. I am ready for all. I accept all. Let, your, let only your will be done in me and in all your creatures. I wish no more than this, O Lord. Into your hands I commend my soul. <laughs> I offer to you with all my love, with all the love of my heart, for I love you, Lord, and so need to give myself, to surrender myself into your hands without reserve and with boundless confidence, for you are my Father. It seems good to pray this prayer often. These are the words of a holy man, and they show the way I must go. I realize that I can never make this prayer become true by my own efforts. I love that. It was, it was like this prayer of surrender and abandonment. And that's kind of, we're going to touch on that through abiding today. Um, I think you'll, you'll enjoy this. Um, oh, it continues. Uh, but the spirit of Jesus given to me can help me pray it and grow to its fulfillment. I know that my inner peace depends on my willingness to make this prayer my own. I love that. Hope that was rich. All right. Don't give up. Uh, even though things may be tough, even though uh, you may be experiencing some hope for pandemic openness and yet we see another wave sort of come, I think it's going to look very different. But don't lose hope. Love is at work in all of us in all of these circumstances. So um, if you've learned anything from the last year, <laughs> blindsides come. They come to all of us. So um, let's, let's wait on the Lord. Let's stop trying to predict what is going to happen. 
Okay, how then do we focus? Uh, what is it that we ought to focus on if we want to find hope in difficult times? Well, we talked about this last week and the week before. We talked about thankfulness being really important, how we see God and how God views us. That's critical. That's where we're going with all this. I'm just recapping really fast. Psalm 145, 8-9 says, The Lord is merciful and compassionate, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. The Lord is good to everyone. He showers compassion on all his creation. A reminder that God is good. And this is an old covenant text. Seriously, it's good news. How can we live this abundant life with the same passion as Paul? Well, maybe we can begin by looking at how Jesus lived his life. And we started doing that last week. We ended with that. And this brings us to uh, one of my favorite revelations or wake-up calls that I've had in how to live the Christian life, you know. Um, in fact, an old phrase I used to say, living the Christian life, uh, it's not hard at all. It's actually impossible. <laughs> and uh, uh, the point was, out of self-effort, we can't do that. We're not called to live a Christian life on our own or from our own strength. Um, it needs to come from Christ within us. And Jesus modeled this. I wanna, I wanna read to you and talk to you about some of the comments Jesus made. He said this several times. And because this is found in several places, this should be a, uh, um, a way to, uh, how do I say this? This should get, get your attention. If it's being repeated, ding, 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 trying to send a message here. So <laughs> let's see what happens here. This is Jesus speaking. Nothing I do is from my own initiative. For as I hear the judgment passed by my father, I execute judgment. Now that can be scary, okay? I'm gonna, I'll come back to the word judgment in just a moment. And my judgments will be perfect because I can do nothing on my own except to fulfill the desires of my father who sent me. This is a heavy one. Now, I'm going to give you a cheat. Um, this Wednesday, I'm airing uh, What is Heaven? Part 3. And the following week will be Part 4. And we're, we talk about the word judgment. In fact, we've talked about the word judgment a lot on those Wednesdays. That doesn't mean what we think it means. All right? Go do a, a research on the word judgment without me having to tell you what it could mean. Um, it's not as scary as you think. And I think that's that's important. It, it's not the judicial, you're bad, you're going to get it. That's not what it means. So what does it mean? But the point here is, Jesus is saying, I'm not doing anything, <clears throat> any of this on my own. I, I'm listening to what the Father is telling me. So the man Jesus had to rely on his Father. Let's see where, where else he says this. In John 7, 16, he says, So Jesus responded, I don't teach my own ideas, but the truth revealed to me by the one who sent me. Well, who sent him? It was his father. Jesus was sent by his father. This is, this is God the Father. Not, not the Godfather, but, you know, God. Father God. Trinity, one of the members of the Trinity. So here, um, the, even the teachings that Jesus gives. Uh, and where would this come from? This would come from abiding time. Do you remember the, how many times Jesus went off to pray? He valued his deep internal connection to God, to, to the Holy Spirit, and went off a lot. 
it's there that he heard and experienced the voice and presence of his father. Not that he didn't experience it every day walking around, but there was a special concentrated time of that. And that's, that was, that's really important. So he says, I don't teach my own ideas, but the truth revealed to me. So listen, this is a sneak peek into, um, well, didn't Jesus just know everything all the time? No, he actually didn't. Do you remember the time? Uh, I don't know the day nor the hour, but my father knows it. Remember that? Yeah. There, there was stuff Jesus, the man, did not know while he was teaching. Uh, it wasn't revealed to him. So he had to trust his heavenly father. Remember, Jesus lived out of his humanity, not his divinity. We're going to, I think we're coming to the kenosis thing a little in, in a little bit. There's a lot to pack in today, but it's important. If, you, if you've never heard this, great. This is really important. If you've heard this before, listen again. Maybe there's another uh, tweak that uh, will make it click even more for you. But there's something here for you and me. Next. Uh, in John 8, 28, he says, Then you will realize that I do nothing on my own initiative, but I only speak the truth that the Father has revealed to me. Huh. Wow. There it is again. What has been revealed. So, how many times do you and I potentially get mad at people for not knowing stuff? <laughs> I'm not talking about your family. That's not fair. <laughs> but let's say theological arguments like how can you believe that even in our culture like even with this pandemic even with politics we say how can you possibly believe that i can't believe okay that stuff right here is an answer this is an answer it hasn't been revealed to them and just because you have a revelation that's different than somebody else's we need to be more loving and kind that includes those that have strong opinions on either side you must hold them with humility and be careful not to shove them down someone else's throat theological opinions for sure the same thing okay this there's there's a lesson here um that this comes from a constant connection jesus had with his father so maybe you're coming to a place of frustration you're venting you're your pattern here's this is about the pattern not the occasional conversation safe conversations in your home and all that kind of stuff i'm talking about are you now known for being the pushy theological and correcting everybody are you now the pushy one that's uh anti-vaccine type person are you now the pushy one that's pro-vaccine are you the pushy one the point is are you the pushy one that's not who you are that's a category that's got uh, nothing to do with the authentic relationships around you. This is about a power trip or frustration or your, em your tank is empty. And that's, that's your go-to, all right? So maybe, maybe this is a call to a quieter time with your Savior, to hear the voice of your Savior. How would, because Jesus is listening. He's, he has truth revealed to him. So, Maybe we need that quiet time to have truth revealed or <laughs> re-revealed because we've forgotten <laughs> and to be humbled and realize, hey, this isn't about being right. It's about being loving. Where else did Jesus say something? John eight forty two, 
So a couple of verses later, I've come from his presence. I didn't come here on my own, but God sent me to you. This is, this is a big one, okay? <laughs> oh my, uh, this is Jesus declaring, I come from the presence of the Trinity. Uh, Jesus the Christ and Jesus the man, all right? Um, there, there are two ways to see this. So Jesus the man, Jesus of Nazareth, uh, was the physical embodiment of Jesus Christ, the Christ, all right? So Christ, Jesus of Nazareth, they're in union, but Jesus is having to rely on his Father. He's not acting and living out of his divinity as Trinity. He's living as human. He actually lived a human life, experiencing all of the frustration, abandonment, pain, and suffering that we have to an extent, okay? Um, it's, it's powerful. So he says, I come from his presence. I didn't come here on my own, but God sent me. So there's even, oh, 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 shoot. Get ready for this one. There's a level of obedience here that some of us probably don't want to hear about because obedience is almost a swear word in the evangelical church. How? Don't tell me what to do. There it is. And yet, we are called to submit one to another. We really are. Not woman to male and male to woman. This is mutually submit one to another. That's hard. And I don't think it's possible um, on a long-term basis without a continual connection to our Savior who modeled the perfect submission. The Trinity submitted to humanity. This is a huge one. Huge one. Oh my goodness, yes. Yeah, Cecil's writing in. Hey, Cecil. He says, good morning, everyone. It's time to stand up for the truth. Our divinity is our identity. Well, yes, Jesus' divinity was his identity. He was living in his humanity, modeling for us how to live. And I'll, I'll get to the what would Jesus do thing. We still have time. This is good. Another one, John 12, 49. Are you starting to see the pattern? There's a repetition of Jesus saying this. I am not speaking as someone who is self-appointed, but I speak by the authority of the Father himself who sent me, who instructed me what to say. Jesus did not come up with these whimsical, smart aleck, great comeback zingers on his own. All right? This is God the Father having spoken to him and, and, and used uh, every way of developing uh, Jesus. And by the way, look at Luke, uh, I think Luke 2.52, something I learned at Circle Square Ranch. The theme verse for the ranch, I don't know if it's still in existence or not. Probably not. Um, but, uh, uh, and Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. The word increased is incredible so he was fully divine but he wasn't living out of it so his humanity still had to increase in wisdom stature and favor with god and man like all four primary categories of life you do need balance if there's something the ranch taught really well it was that balance um and i've appreciated that uh, my entire life it's funny to have that verse come back and be a core foundation verse even today for me. So hats off to the heritage of, 
of Circle Square Ranch that spoke into my life at a time when I desperately needed it. The Father did not send me to speak my own revelation, but the words of my Father. Oh my goodness. Okay, are you getting it? This is about Jesus living his life. He abided in the Father. So this brings me a question. If this is how Jesus lived, how are we to live? And I would say in the exact same way it was modeled. How was it modeled? As the Father has sent me, I also send you. How was that? First of all, God sent Jesus. God told Jesus what to say. Um, God revealed to Jesus truth. In the same way, Jesus needs to reveal to us truth. We need to understand that we have been sent by Jesus to be the presence of Jesus. Careful that you don't overrun this base. I think in the Christian world and churchianity, the Christian religion, it's been set up as the massive to-do list if you're going to try to be a good Christian. And it's exhausting. I know a ton of believers that are just wiped out, exhausted, and uh, I think confused because they thought they were doing it for the Lord. Jesus never asked them to do it for the Lord. <laughs> it it's, just didn't happen. It's Jesus in us, as us, participating with us, doing the loving. That's the grace. It's not so complicated, and it's not organized. Ouch, that's a tough one to swallow. He who abides in me, and I am him, will bear much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. I thought it said, apart from me, I can do some things. <laughs> At least that's how I lived my life, thinking... Uh, this is, I can do some things. Because of course I can do some things apart from Christ. But can you? Nothing of eternal value. All that stuff we think we do for God in our own strength, that's the stuff that's going to get burned off. That fire that uh, that's coming, or uh, if you've listened to the stuff we've been talking about, about God's fire, especially on the Wednesday mornings, go back and listen. I don't have time to catch up on this, but it's not bad news. It's good news. The stuff that gets burned away and purged and purified is the stuff that wasn't real anyway. The ulterior motives, the false motives, um, the stuff we did in our self-effort that was not inspired by Jesus. You know, what's left is all that Jesus did, all the fruit that comes from abiding. The fruit meaning the um, uh, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, good. That's the fruit of the Spirit. So when those things are coming off of us, that's evidence of the abiding Christ in us. The abiding Christ is with us all the time. It doesn't leave us, but the, the fruit of it sometimes doesn't show itself all the time. <laughs> what else? So the Son can do nothing of himself unless it is something he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, these things the Son also does in like manner. Now remember, Jesus did say, no one's seen the Father except the Son. No one knows the Father except the Son. He also says, the Father and I are one. I'm in the Father, the Father's in me, and I pray, Lord, that they will know that they are in us and we are in them. Oh my goodness. There, there is something connection, or there's a connection here that we are unaware of. Our abiding presence with Christ. It's like uh, um, uh, Cecil said, divinity is our identity. If you don't realize 
and, and can't fathom the concept that spiritually our spirits are fused as one with Jesus. That is our truest identity. And then there's other definitions of identity in how we live things out. But uh, our core true spiritual identity is Christ in us, the hope of glory. Critical. So this begs the question, how many miracles could Jesus, the man, have done if he'd acted on his own? It's actually quite simple. None. And the same question applies to us. What can we accomplish acting in self-sufficiency? It can look busy. You can set up your empire. You can set up even church. You can, you can have a full church program and have it look nothing like what Jesus wanted. Just because it's church, I'm sorry. It, I need to, personally, maybe, maybe I'm getting older. I've been doing this for 30 years in the church. Uh, I think I'm in my 31st year now. But I've learned some things. Some of the lessons are hard. And uh, my intent was wonderful back then. And uh, that's part of my growth. I'm, I'm not knocking it. I'm saying keep growing. There's more. Those were the foundations of growing. And then you look back and you learn, oh, my, I didn't do that right or whatever. That's fine. This is about growing and uh, growing in our maturity, which is what we're all called to, growing in grace. What about the miracles? Did Jesus really perform any miracles? Well, the answer is no. The man, Jesus, didn't. But listen to this, Acts 2.22. Peter continued, people of Israel, listen to the facts. Jesus the victorious, or down below it says, or Jesus the Nazarene, the branch. The Aramaic word used here also implies the title of an heir of a powerful family. Uh, or one who is victorious, Jesus the victorious. All right, so here it goes. Um, uh, was, okay, the, the victorious was a man on a divine mission whose authority was clearly proven. For you know how, how God performed many powerful miracle signs and wonders, here it is, through him. All right, what people saw was Jesus doing a miracle. But the truth, behind the scenes, it was God the Father empowering, speaking, and doing the miracles, giving him the revelation at just the time. When the woman was healed with the, the, the bleeding of her life, I don't know if Jesus would have known as he's walking um, what's going on that this woman was coming, but when she touched him and power left him, that was a connection. Her faith to God the Father was then redirected to Jesus, and Jesus felt it because the Father told him what's going on. There was a, 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 a unity there that was bizarre. And at that moment, Father told Jesus what's going on. All right? Like, this is moment by moment, instant by instant participation. It is beautiful. I love this. How many miracles could Jesus the man have performed? None. Jesus the man didn't perform any miracles. Here it's revealed that it was God doing it through him. If you're going to get all picky, well, don't say that because that implies that Jesus didn't. Well, if that's how you have to take it, fine, Jesus did miracles, but really the source is God, and that's the point. And why is it the point? Because you and I need to learn our source is in Christ. Anything we do, believe, hear, see, comes from a revelation that comes from Jesus himself. We have a lot to learn. I have a, 
No, my my past. Look at my patterns. I, I, I the older we get, we start to recognize um, patterns in our lives, and you know, I I tend to overrun the base sometimes. I run ahead, and I've always gotten in trouble for running ahead. And I'm it's it's I'm learning. It's not it doesn't happen as often. It still happens, but it it happens less often. But I learn and I grow, and I realize God is not a busy body. God is not interested in judging. All right? He didn't come to judge. He came to save. And yet, what do his followers do who claim to know him? Judge. Huge judging going on. And this is something we as a church need to learn. That we should be known not for our judging. <laughs> we should be known for our loving. And I hope Hope Fellowship, when we start to meet in person again, we become more extroverted in our love application my hope is that we become a church that isn't about programming but about individually reaching out to those that are put in contact with us personally whoever god sets in front of you that is your ministry i just received a a message from somebody who is a disabled person and they communicated their extreme frustration with their church that nobody calls them they don't see them as valued and when the church gets frustrated with the disabled folks sometimes they even scream these stupid lines and this is this was in the email they have told me to pray for healing and that uh, i'm not praying hard enough or something like that there, there's an implication that you should pray for your healing that's why you're disabled it's like oh my goodness do, do you feel like reaching out and slapping somebody clearing their tables i sure do that's a horrific thing to do and yes the disabled are having a very lonely time it's time to use the connections we have and if you are one of those disabled let me encourage you to change your perspective instead of seeing how you're not being cared for turn your attention to others and start caring for others honestly call one person a week that you don't normally connect to and just start to reach out ask them how they're doing something's going to change. And if we all do this as as Hope Fellowship, instead of whining about our circumstances, oh, I wish everything was open. I wish we were doing this. I wish we were meeting in person. I wish, I wish, I wish. Well, how about reaching out? Oh, my needs aren't being met. I, I feel like I need the people connection. I need this. I need to... Listen, this isn't about you. Seriously, it's not about you. <laughs> Quit being so self-centered and start looking at the needs of others. If you could see the connections I make each week, if I were to take time, I would take a whole sermon or two of just telling the stories of all the people I meet in different circumstances and the pain they're walking through. Oh my goodness. Uh, I think I think we need to pause and realize that we need to change our mind. And that's what this is all about. Living like Jesus lived. Abiding in the Father. All right? He abided. What was Jesus doing? He was, in fact, he was abiding in his Father. He was trusting, yielding, surrendering. It was moment by moment. It was instant by instant. That line's from my wife, Lori. (laughs) Relying on instructions moment by moment. And in his time of long prayer, not trying to help out God. That's not what he was doing. Here's an example. When Jesus was heading to, I think it was Jerusalem or one of the cities, you know, the guy said, the disciples said, hey, come along with us. He goes, no, it's okay. It's not my time yet. 
Well, 10 minutes later, it was his time. God said, okay, now go. The, at the time of uh, um, the uh, uh, turn, turning the water into wine, great story. Um, uh, Jesus told his mom, mama, it ain't my time yet. But I think his papa in heaven, his father in heaven tapped him on the shoulder or whispered in his ear, now it's time, 10 minutes later. And suddenly he performed the miracle. So it can happen. You may say, well, that's, that's, that's like changing your mind so quickly. No, it's living instant by instant with the revelation that's given to us and the information that's given to us and trust in the spirit in us to act and when not to act. It's beautiful. Abiding. What is abiding? I love this. Listen to this. It is living in the constant awareness that Christ is in you. It is trusting that he is your source, your voice, your thoughts, your passions and desires. He is your rest. That's a beautiful definition of abiding, living in the constant awareness that Christ is in you. <laughs> and that awareness means trusting that he is your source, voice, thoughts, passions, desires. He is your rest. Any work we do, we work from rest. Okay? I think it's, I hope that makes sense. I really do. Here's how Jesus did it. Philippians 2, 5 to 8. I'm going to go just a few minutes over time today. Sorry. And consider the example that Jesus, the anointed one, has set before us. Let his mindset become your motivation. Ooh. He existed in the form of God, yet he gave no thought to seizing a quality with God as his supreme prize or something to be exploited. Instead, he emptied himself of his outward glory by reducing himself to the form of a lowly servant. He became human. He humbled himself and became vulnerable, choosing to be revealed as a man and was obedient. He obeyed his father. He was perf a perfect example, even in his death, a criminal's death by execution. This is called the kenosis theory. While Jesus being 100% God, 100% man, Jesus chose not to live out of his deity, but to live out of his humanity. When he came, he laid aside the right to live out of his deity and instead lived out of his humanity. He lived in absolute dependence on his father. This is a lesson to you and I. We are to live in absolute dependence on Jesus. In a sense, not only did he submit to the father, but he submitted to humanity. In fact, the Trinity fully submitted to humanity via the cross. This is the most humbling thing I have come to see. And this, again, the idea of the Trinity submitting to humanity, I heard from um, Baxter Kruger and William Paul Young. That's the first time I heard that concept. I thought, wow, that, that's big. That's really big. Lorinda, thank you. This is big. It is big. It's huge. <laughs> Jesus, or so just as he abided in the Father, so are we to abide in him. So this whole idea of uh, what would Jesus do is not about that. Um, if, you, if you have to ask what would Jesus do, listen, you're playing a game that is exhausting and you'll never get it right. What would Jesus do had a nice intention, but it is absolutely wrong. It is false. It's from the tree of right and wrong. It's the wrong tree. It's a non-abiding tree. It's a, it's a redirect tree 
question to not have to abide and listen. It's the shortcut to not have to pause and listen to the voice of Jesus in you. That's what what would Jesus do implies. Because now you get to figure out what would Jesus do in this circumstance? How the heck are you going to possibly know that? You can't. Not for every circumstances. Another alternative is look at how Jesus lived. This is the abiding part. Live like Jesus lived. Abide. And watch what Jesus does. Uh, these are just acronyms that are fun. But please toss what would Jesus do. If you have it on your car's bumper sticker, pull it off. It's useless. Um, because there's no way. The intent, I get it. It's fine. But it's incomplete. All right. This is, I think this is the pinnacle abiding. I hope that makes sense to you. Ephesians 1 3. Every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realm has already been lavished upon us as a love gift from our wonderful heavenly Father, the Father of our Lord Jesus, all because he sees us wrapped into Christ. This is why we celebrate him with all our hearts. Listen, you need to know your spiritual blessings. You need to know who you are in Christ. You need to know how God sees you. That is how we get through this pandemic. Not focusing on the pandemic, but focusing on Jesus. And how he sees us and how we see him and how we see ourselves. I've been saying this for the last two years. Just differently all the time. But this is, this is the most blunt Ephesians 1, 18 to 19 says, I pray the light of God will illuminate the eyes of your imagination or, or innermost heart, flooding you with light until, until, until you experience the full revelation of the hope of his calling. That is the wealth of God's glorious inheritance, what's already in you that he finds in us, there it is, his holy ones. I pray that you will continually experience the immeasurable greatness of God's power made available to you through faith. By the way, that faith is given to us as a gift. It's not our own mustered up faith. It's the faith of Christ in us. Then your lives will be an advertisement of his immense power as it works through you. This is the mighty power. That's a lot. That's a lot to take in. Oh, my goodness. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, I pray for each one listening today that you'll speak deep to their soul. If there are knots of tension and frustration, angst, anxiety, if there are knots of grief, knots of anger towards loved ones, knots of uh, anger towards fellow believers, because of expectations we may have put on them, may we surrender all that to you and come back to the beginning prayer from the Henry Nouwen devotional that we surrender all to you. Speak to each of us in our own personal way because you have a direction for every single one of us. It's going to look different for each one. Thank you, Father. Thank you for this church family. Thank you for this online family that we've come to know better and better. Amen.